you guys? I have the privilege of being able to share with you this morning. Isn't that cool? Yeah, cool. Uh, let's begin with prayer. You can never pray too much, can you, Pastor Jamie? Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. We thank you for the day that we've had so far. We thank you for the day that's still ahead. But right now, we just we come before you, and we, as we're about to look into your word, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just open our eyes, open our minds, dear Father, Lord, that everything that is about to be said, dear Lord, I pray that you would humble me and that you would speak through your word. Holy Spirit, we pray that the hearts that these, land, that the hearts that these words land on would be good soil, that we might be able to worship you in this place. Father, we thank you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Did I forget it? No. Yes, I did. Did the same thing in the first service. There you go. So, this morning, we'll be talking about... On you, bro. On me. Relational responsibility. Did you get that? <laughs> Relational responsibility. Amen. So, uh, they are. Don't ask me what they mean. Now, hopefully I can tell you this morning a little bit about Okay, so last... That left, that stayed in the house and was uh, overcome by all the responsibilities that were placed on him because he was one of the house. And he said, he was talking about how both of them seriously just had an identity issue. They just had an identity, they, they, they didn't know the father's will for their lives. They didn't know the father well enough. So they didn't know that both of them belonged. Amen. So if you're walking into this place, it might be your first time, I don't know. I don't know how many times you've come here or how many times you've been here in the past. Maybe you've been here in the past and it's been a, a big break between you then and coming in today, but I want to tell you that you belong. You need to know that. You have to know that. Okay? The welcome home, home sign on the, on the first wall as you walk into this place, it says welcome home because we want you to... It, it talks about the setting that you're about to walk into. Because it tells you that the people that you're about to come around and the people that you're about to meet and shake hands with and rub shoulders with are your family. Amen? Anyone else? Yeah, getting what I'm putting down? Yeah, so we are all called to belong in the body of Christ. So I, I implore you once again, if you can, if you haven't heard the message from last week, go back, watch the message because it's integral. Because we, you won't be able to talk about responsibilities until you know that you actually belong. Amen? Okay. So belonging being part of our 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 vision and our value here at Life Source Church, and not only pertains to people coming here on a Monday morning, but we've got school opening up tomorrow as well. And so the students will be walking in past that welcome home sign, and you want students, you know, coming from, uh, oh, we've got pre-K in here as well, we've got five, so we've got four-year-olds coming up to uh, 12 and 13, and next year we've got high school as well. So you want kids walking through, and you want them to know that they belong here. Because there's nothing worse than a kid who's just who's struggling with life because they don't, they don't have their own identity solid 
and who they are in Christ. It, and it happens all the time. Yeah? So we have, we have that towards our children. We also have that towards individuals who are just walking past. Don't know who would be walking past here. I know Brother Daniel here runs past a couple times. But if someone's just walking past, we want them to be able to walk in and know that they're walking into an environment. So if I haven't said it enough, you belong. Everyone say, we belong. Say, I belong. I belong. You do belong. Amen? So in talking about that, and we're talking about family, I want to share a little bit of a story that I have from my own childhood. It's one of the, one of the most memorable things that I have in my, uh, what we, in my past, yeah. Thanks. <laughs> so, I, have a, I have a cousin. Now, this cousin of mine, he's the most daring of all of our cousins. His name is John. John is now in the army. Tells you why he's pretty daring, isn't he? Anyway, John, as a kid, he would always be the one to get in trouble first. So we would all get in trouble, but he would be the first one. And um, it just happened that one of the, our school holidays, we ran up, we all ended up sleeping over at one of our cousin's houses up on sort of the, the North Shore. And um, we were at this cousin's house for about a week. But it's just, it just they, all of our uncles and aunties and all of our parents, they all knew that someone's going to get hurt, something's going to get broken, or someone's going to be broken. That's just, whenever we get together, that's how it is. Oh, that's how it was, anyway. Anyway, John was the most daring. So all of our cousins, about eight of us, uh, probably there was a few. So in my family, that's all boys. And if you weren't a boy, you were a tomboy. There's no space for girls in our family. <laughs> okay? So it was very, it, it, it sort of just worked that way. My wife will testify to that. She knows my cousins who are supposed to be girls, but they're very tomboys. Very much tom, very tomboys. And if they hear this, then they're probably going to slap me next time I see them. Anyway, so we're talking about John. Eight cousins, eight boys. None of us know how to rollerblade. But we found some rollerblades. Naturally, the first thing you do when you don't know how to rollerblade and you find some rollerblades is you look for the biggest hill. <laughs> yeah? That's how we thought anyway. And so a couple of us had, had a go. Like some of us went maybe just halfway up the hill. Just some of us went a quarter way up the hill. But John would not be outdone. John was always going to be the king of the castle. He's younger than me. But he's just, yeah, he's crazy. He's crazy. So John takes the skates, treks it up the hill. Treks it all the way to the top of the hill. You can imagine we're all, of our, all of us cousins, we're all lining the street. Yeah, there's only eight of us. So like, got some in the halfway, some all the way down the bottom, a couple of us sort of at the top with him. Anyway, we're all cheering him on. John, come on, man, you got this. Let's go, you got this, man. You're going to do it. Don't know what he's going to win, but he's like, we're just cheering him on. Go, John. Anyway, John takes off. He starts moving. He's only moving pretty slow. You know, it's the top of the hill, so it's got a little bit of a curve on it before it hits the steep part. Anyway, John hits halfway. We're like, yeah, he's going to do it. He's going to make it. And then, but John hasn't hit full speed yet. He's still speeding up. Yeah? He's still speeding up. John hits about a third of the way down the hill and he's flying. Like he's really, really starting to move. And because he doesn't know how to skate, like in my head, it's like, regardless, he's going to get hurt. Doesn't matter what he does. He doesn't know how to stop. Okay? First thing, he doesn't know how to stop. And even then, he like, this is probably like the second time he's put on skates in his lifetime. Yeah? 
Anyway, John starts coming. He's about a third of the way down. He's going that fast that he starts to, he starts to get the shakes. You know when you're going really, really fast on a bike or you're on the rollerblades or something and you start to go so fast, you start to get that jiggle in your, in your feet or in your legs, you're just like... And as soon as you get that jiggle in your leg, you know something bad is about to happen, right? <laughs> yeah, you know it's about to happen. Anyway, John as well, but I, didn't, I should have stated at the start that John was wearing nothing but boxes. He just wore boxes. He wasn't wearing a T-shirt. He, wasn't wearing, he, didn't, even have, he didn't even have socks on. <laughs> Okay, so John's going down, he's going full pelt, and he's, that, that little wiggle in, in the skates finally gives way, and he hits the ground. John skates from the back of his legs all the way up. The boxers did nothing to save his butt. <laughs> he scraped all up the side, up his back, up his elbow, and down his arm. John's first instinct, as soon as he finally comes to a halt from grinding on the concrete, jumps up takes a couple steps, jumps straight onto the grass of some neighbor, random person's house, jumps on the grass and just starts yelling, ah! Ah! First thing your cousins do, what are you going to do? Laugh. You don't go running over it. You take your time and you laugh first. Man, I remember all of us were on the ground. We were rolling, laughing our heads off. Yeah? John's over there screaming in pain. But naturally, the first thing you do as your cousin is you laugh. And then after we've all picked ourselves up, run over to John. John's there, he's still screaming at us, screaming at himself. Pick him up, and we don't even take the roller skates over him, we just roll him over to the house again. <laughs> so John's getting rolled back to the house. We knew enough that we were responsible for John, yeah? So we weren't going to leave him there just to scream by himself. We was like, okay, let's take him back, take him back into the house. And we're just looking at him like, oh, what do you do? Like... <laughs> What do you do with that? We can see he's not bleeding, so it's not that bad. I suppose. <laughs> he's like, he's, it's just like, it's scared, so it's just bleed. It's not bleeding. There's no blood anywhere. It's just like, you can see his flesh, I think. Anyway, and so we're just like, what do you do? It's like, well, naturally, everyone just puts water on everything. So it's just like covering him with water. <laughs> and he starts screaming even more. But the thing is... <laughs> In relation to relation, in just relating to the message that we're supposed to be talking about, is we knew that no matter how bad his injuries were, you couldn't tell Uncle. Because if you told Uncle, it was not only going to be John who was in pain; we were all going to be in pain. Okay. So, <laughs> out of responsibility for one another, it's like, look, John, you're going to have to suck it up. You have to deal with that, wear some pants or something like that. And that was it. But we knew that to be responsible for one another, we didn't want, none of us wanted to get hiding. I was like, no, 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 no. It's already enough pain that John's in. He doesn't need any more pain. So let's just, let's keep it under wraps. Let's, let's, let's not tell anyone. So that was our relational responsibility to John. <laughs> if you can believe that. Everyone say amen. <laughs> oh. But the truth is, we're supposed to be looking out for each other in the same way. Sometimes some of the things that we do, they can be a bit risky. But you've got to be there to cheer your brother on. You've got to be there to support them. You've got to be there to tell them when it's a bad idea too. <laughs> Amen? Now, in the context of the church as a whole, now, it was, it was sort of a... a 
a distant notion for me to be able to, to care responsibly for church members who weren't family because the church that I grew up in was my family, like literally. All my aunties, my uncles all went to the church that I grew up in. So when it came to be responsible for each other outside of the church, that was easy. It's like, I'm with these people anyway. This is my family. But when it came, when I started to grow older and we went to different churches and I started to make friends with other people, the notion that we would walk into a place and we were complete strangers once and that all of a sudden you were responsible for me and I was responsible for you, that was very distant to me. You're strangers. You really are. Until I got to know you. So that was a distant thought for me. And the, the thing is that the only reason I would have any res- relational responsibility for you is because of our common ground. Amen? Because I met you here. Because if I hadn't come to church and I didn't believe in Christ, I, wouldn't, I would never have come across nearly all of you. <laughs> and we would never have crossed paths unless it might have been in town one day where we might have been able to share a coffee, but I doubt that even. Amen? But sometimes... Relational responsibility equals messy family as well. Does that make sense to anyone? Anyone else come from a messy family? Yeah? You don't have to come and <laughs> reveal it all here. <laughs> you might have the prayer altar full after this service. <laughs> no, but it really is. When you're relationally responsible for family, families are messy. They come in all different shapes and sizes, but regardless of what they look like, they're messy. You've got to deal with egos. You've got to deal with people's different uh, agendas. You've got to deal with people's pride. You've got to deal with people's hurts and their harms and the things that they've had to live through. You don't know what you're going to have to deal with. So it usually equals a messy family. Well, let's talk about what we do have in common as God's children, amen? Because why we are all here is because of Christ. Amen. Let's read from Acts chapter 2. We're going to read from verse 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers and all came upon, and all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as they had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Amen. So in reading that, part of the verse that I want to focus on right now is... All who... And all who believed were together and had all things in common. I'm going to ask Pastor Jamie to come up again. I asked him in the first service. I'm going to ask him up again. This is a, a little contrast. Stand up with me, bro. Yeah, right there. How common do we look to each other? Yeah? Exactly like. We'd be twins. Right? <laughs> Everything in common, you can tell. But I tell you what, during the week you ought to be in the office because the one thing that we have in common in Jesus 
that lights that room up like nothing else. Am I right? When we start to talk about God, we start to talk about our love for Jesus. When we start to talk about the truths that the Word is bringing out for us, we have so much more in common than we could ever have in common in the physical. Amen? Thanks, bro. Give me a hand. <laughs> Amen? The very thing that holds us together is that our common ground and what makes us family is Christ. Straight off the bat. Nothing else. You don't even have to know me. You don't have to know my name. You don't even you have to know my history. You don't have to know nothing about me. If one thing that you do know when you walk into this place is that I love Christ and you love Christ, then the foundation of our relationship is set. Straight away. You love Christ? I love Christ? Yeah, we're brothers. Straight up. That goes without saying. We had a visitor here last week who didn't have a place to stay on her placement. She's in, over in Hay. She didn't have anyone else to call, so she called the Baptist church. That's awesome. <laughs> calls the church. Calls the church because she knows I'm a Christian. They're Christians. Surely there's something. Straight away she got a place to stay at. Our commonality is Christ. That's what we have in common. And that's enough to cover anything that we have that's not, uh, that, that we might disagree with one another. Amen? That's good. All right. Let's move in. So, when it comes to relational, when it comes to relational responsibility, who is responsible for it? Who is responsible for relational responsibility within the church? Us. Default would be, Pastor Steve. A lot of churches that you go to, relational responsibility starts and ends with the pastor. <laughs> But that's not how it's supposed to be. As we, if we go back to the scripture of the church in Acts, everything that they're doing isn't based solely on what the apostles are saying. They're taking care of each other. They're looking to one another for help. They're not going to someone else who's a, who's a leader, who's, who's the pastor, to go and see if so-and-so needs bread. No, they can see that, you know, hey, Steve needs bread, just give him some bread. They're not waiting to see the, the call from the altar or the call from the pulpit to be able to share with each other. No, our responsibilities lie with one another. Amen? All right. So it's not on Steve. It's not on Rod. It's not on Pastor James. It's not on Pastor Teresa or Pastor James. It's not on myself to be the ones responsible for relations within the church. It's actually on the individuals within the church. And it's seen so clearly here in the Church of Acts. Amen. One of the things that we do here at church, though, to facilitate relationship and relational responsibility within the body is we have grow groups. Who here is part of a grow group? Better yet, hands down. Who here is not part of a grow group? Okay. I implore you, get to be part of a grow group. At the end of the service, if you're not part of a grow group, I'm going to ask you to please go and see Pastor James and Amy. They love grow groups. They love connecting people together. Because the life of the church, as much, as of, as much of it as we enjoy on a Sunday morning, it relies on our grow groups. People getting together outside of a Sunday morning and doing life with one another. 
Because what you deal with on a Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, you might not be able to talk about it here on a Sunday morning. But you can do it on a Wednesday, Thursday, or Friday, Saturday night. Amen? And that's when we're going to be able to have those deep conversations where the things that I'm dealing with and the things that I'm struggling with and the things that I've had to deal with in my faith walk and the questions that I have about my faith, that's where those questions a lot of the time get to be answered at a grow group. So really, I can't stress enough through my own experience with grow groups. Grow groups, they're where real life happens. When we come here, a lot of our conversations are very surface level. How's your day? How's your week? You're doing good? Cool. Once in a while, I can pray for you. But it's not, it's not enough for everyone to be doing everything for everyone. It's, it's just not the time. It's not, it's not the space. In fact, the, the other service got kicked out. They only had five minutes to chat. <laughs> So a grow group is essential in your growth. Absolutely. As part of this church, it's one of the things that I love about our church here in Life Source is that we push grow groups so hard because we know that life happens in them. Amen? If you're not a part of a grow group, please get to a grow group. Do your best to be part of a grow group. All right. But now that that's established, you know you belong, you know you're responsible for one another. How do you outwork it? How do you outwork being responsible for one another? Let's go to Scripture. Let's go to Romans. We're going to read from chapter 12. We're going to read from chap- uh, verse 9 to verse 21. Amen. I'll give you a chance to get there. But let's read. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, be constant in prayer, contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight, repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable. In the sight of all, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, Vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Funnily enough, the title of this section of scripture in my Bible is Marks of a True Christian. It's funny, eh? <laughs> Love one another with brotherly affection. The very first, uh, oh, let's go back. There it is. Brotherly affection. Loving one another with brotherly affection. How do we all work that? How do, how, how do we all work it? Pick on Jamie again. Jamie is my brother and he knows it. He knows it because he knows that anything that I have, he is entitled to. That includes my car. That includes my food. <laughs> and Jamie, that's, not, that's no longer like a, just a, a thought. It's like, oh, I know if I ask Michael for this, I can, you know, I can get that. No, no, it's no longer there. It's actually been action. So he's already taken my car because he's needed it. And he eats my food as well. Surprise. That's brotherly affection, though. 
easily outworked. And I'm not saying that, that I'm not saying that I do that with everyone. I'm just like I know that between me and Jamie, that's how we are. Brotherly affection. And that's what God actually calls us to do within the church. Within our relationships within the church. To the stranger that just walked in for their first service. God calls us to brotherly affection because of our commonality in Christ. Amen? This next one. It's probably where I wanted to get the most in this next point. Is right here. Outdo one another in showing honor. Now that's a biggie. Because we usually think, especially in our Western society, and maybe in the just Australian society, is that to be able to express the depth of your relationship with another person, what do you do? You honor him? No, you stir him. You sledge him. Straight away. Reuben's sitting there, is like, I sledge him way too much. <laughs> but it's like, it's true. Like, in, especially in an in Australian society, it's like, you're not really brothers unless you're talking smack to one another. <laughs> that's, truly, that's truly how it goes. But it's really funny because it's so contrary to what the Word is saying. And I found that so weird. I found it really, really weird. That the Bible says, outdo one another with honor. And we would say, no, nah, you're really a brother when you start sledging them. Isn't that weird to anyone else? Yeah? It's like our society just knows how to turn things completely upside down. For them to make sense to us all of a sudden. And it's like, no, no, no. God's word actually calls us to better. Amen? Uh, here we go. Now, like any good scholar, I get all of my definitions from Google. <laughs> and Google says that the definition of honor is to have high respect and great esteem. High respect, great esteem. For each other. You know, it's, it's funny because once in a while we'll have a, we'll have a certain person or a certain group that we'll hold in high esteem and great honor. Great esteem, high respect for a certain person or an individual or a group of people. But God actually calls us to have high respect and great honor for each other within the body. I mean, he's not even talking about people outside of the church. He's talking about people inside the church. That our regard for one another should be so honorable. We should, be so, we should be so uplifting of one another. It should happen all the time. And the thing is that the way it works is, say, if this is me, this is you, and I honor you. I lift you up. I respect you, and I, 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 I regard you with great esteem. Then in return... If I were to do the same to you, I pick you, or you would do the, to do the same to me, you'd pick me up into the same esteem. And it just, it's supposed to happen like that all the time within the church. And what happens is that when it happens enough within small pockets, it happens that the whole church is brought into honor. And it just becomes a community thing. It becomes something that we just live by. Because it becomes something that is so ingrained in us that it just to honor one another, just, just second nature. You know, rather than just having a sledge at someone, to be able to honor someone becomes a culture within the church that we can't help but grows. And then people are just sitting there is like, wow, they just love each other so much, I want to be part of that. And then when they step in, then we can say, oh, wow, what an amazing time that 
have a guest walk in and we can honor them in that. And then they'll turn around and then they'll be part of a community that loves to honor one another. It doesn't say just to honor. It tells you to outdo one another in honor. Yeah? Like, how do you outdo one another in honor? I don't know. It's like... <laughs> it means that when you're talking about a friend to a friend, that any time they have a word that goes against the character of the person that you know, you can pull them up on it. That's what it's like to outdo one another in honor. It means when a, a, a broader community has something to say about a certain individual and it might cost you a bit of your reputation and a little bit of your pride to stand up for your friend who is being sledged, that you step in anyway. That's what it looks like to outdo each other in honor. So honor is, who the, who, is, is, is what God calls us, the church, to do for one another all the time. All the time. Outdo one another in honor, he says. Amen? Still with me? Good. Now the next one. Let's go back here. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit and serve the Lord. Now, how wholeheartedly believe that this was meant for preachers who speak to quiet crowds. Come on. <laughs> Straight over, it's like, wow. <laughs> Therefore, when I give you a word and you enjoy it, you say, come on, amen. Come on, do it once. Say amen. 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 Yes. Don't be slothful in fervor. No, we're talking about stuff that's actually going to set up our lives for the good of our community and the good of our country. Yeah, that's what we've been saved by. So you should be excited about it. I shouldn't have to hype you up. <laughs> I mean, I can do that. I love hyping people up. <laughs> but the Bible says, do not be slothful in zeal. Or, sorry, yeah, do not be slothful in zeal, but be fervent in spirit. And serve the Lord. So be fervent. Be excited. Anytime you walk around, as soon as you come into contact with another brother in Christ, you ought to be excited. It's like, hey man, Jesus is living inside of me, and I can't keep it down, and we need to talk about Jesus right now because I'm going to explode. It's like, yeah, we laugh about it, but then it's come weekends, like, man, you catch the game? <laughs> Did you get the score? Some people are like, yeah, someone said scored three tries, this, that, and the other. What did Jesus do for you this week? So be fervent in spirit. Yeah? Let's not be slothful in our zeal for the things about the kingdom. Amen? Amen. <laughs> Lasted about two minutes. <laughs> oh, good. Let's move on. Where are we going? Be patient in tribulation. Be patient. Now, this is actually he's talking about us to each other. <laughs> Who loves being patient? <laughs> Who is bad at being patient? Yeah? You know, it's it's really simple. Like it's I mean it's not simple. I shouldn't say it's simple. It's stated Clearly, you should say that. Clearly stated, be patient. Yet, 
I can, I can highlight so many times in my Christian walk where I've just been so impatient with people. Yeah? I just said like, oh, just grow up! <laughs> I'm not frustrated anymore. I'm just talking about what I used to be like. <laughs> grow up! As Pastor Steve would say, can you just die? Talk to him about the context later. <laughs> but he would say, die. He's talking about being dead in the flesh, alive in the spirit. Amen? So when we're talking to one another and we, sometimes you, you, you get, you get uh, you, you're having to deal with people that are, have really deeply grained issues and that sometimes that can wear on your patience. Be patient. <laughs> the Bible says, be patient with one another. Why? Because God was very patient with you. <laughs> I can guarantee you there's some of you that would annoy me to, like, to death, really. But that's the same with God. He just says, oh, I'm patient with you. Just be patient with them. Amen? Amen. Be constant in prayer. Now, sometimes this gets like a, a back seat in our walk when we talk about praying for one another. Our responsibility to be praying with for one another. Oh, you didn't know. Yeah, you're supposed to be praying for each other. <laughs> your pastors and your intercessors and your team leaders here, they, love, they, they pray for you. And it's actually on the church body to be praying for one another. Because you don't understand how much the person next to you needs your prayers. They really, really do. I don't know if there's a time in all of our lives where we could say that there was, we were so thankful that there was someone who was praying for us. You don't know that the person next to you has that advantage. So be in prayer for one another. Lord, I just pray for... It doesn't have to be... I'm not talking like sit there seven hours in prayer. Just be like, Lord, be with so-and-so. I saw them today. They looked a bit grumpy. Give them patience. Thank you, Lord. That's it. That's all, I, that's all it takes. You don't even have to break what you're doing. You're like, I don't know. You could be, I just came, like, yeah, I was just, that's exactly what I thought. I was talking about, I was just about to say, you could be eating. I think we're just both just hungry. <laughs> you could be eating and you could just think of someone and you just thought, oh, well, I haven't thought about that person for a while. I could just, maybe just pray for him. Amen. So let's be constantly in prayer for one another. Don't wait for someone to come and ask you for prayer. We talk about uh, prevention being better than cure. Amen? So don't wait for someone to come with you with their sickness and their illnesses and their struggles and then you're like, oh, yeah, okay, let's pray. Like, no, no, no. You can be in the battle now for your brother and sister. Amen? So let's go to war for each other. Let's make sure that we're backing each other up. Let's make sure that our prayers are going out to cover each other. Amen? Amen. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Now, uh, we already read Acts chapter 2. We saw how hospitable the church is. And there was actually, it was actually common if you were an Israelite to be able to walk into a Jewish town and just know just know that you could be housed and know that you would be fed and know absolutely no one in the town. Isn't that amazing? Wouldn't that be cool? 
Wouldn't that be really, really cool that you could just be like, ah, oh, I need a holiday in the Sunshine Coast and there's a church there. <laughs> How's that? There's this church in the Sunshine Coast. They're believers. Our common, our common ground is Christ. Let me just call them up. I'm sure they'll be able to put me up for like three weeks. Wouldn't that be cool though? Wouldn't that be really, really cool? That's actually common practice in the Bible. That wasn't something out of the ordinary. That wasn't something that like, people would just be like, oh, wow, you had three people in your house over the week? That's amazing. That was just common language. In fact, the people would stay in the city center until someone would come and ask them. That's how they knew that you needed a place. You'd stay there and just like, I don't know what you do, just sit there. <laughs> Anybody going to give me somewhere to sleep? <laughs> I don't know what you would do, but you'd stand there and they'd come to you and they'd say, oh, have you got anywhere to sleep? Have you got anything to eat? And they'd say, oh, come through. There's plenty of food in my kitchen. There's plenty of space to sleep. Hey, if you've got floor in your house, there's plenty of place to sleep. That's how I grew up. <laughs> okay? So let's not hold on to being hospitable. But let's be generous with the way that we take people in. And don't, don't wait for them to be someone that you've seen at church about three, four months in a row. It's like, no, as soon as you know that they're a believer, that's enough of an avenue. Amen? I mean, that's easy to say. But that's who God calls us to be. Amen? Hey. Amen. Now, I've forgotten to give this part to the, uh, the guys in the first service. But um, one of the things that we do as pastors here at church is we have, we have the desire to see people brought in off of the fringes, the fringes of the church, people who have sort of been on the outer for a little bit, people who maybe aren't as connected. And the thing that really pushes my heart toward people on the fringes is because I remember what it was like to be there. Does anyone else know what that was like? When you first joined a church and you didn't know anyone and you just sort of felt on the outer? Is that, does anyone know, am I talking to anyone yet? Yeah? So let, let me say this. Inclusion matters. When you're doing something, call someone up that you know that hasn't been part of something else. Call someone up that hasn't been part of a, a grow group maybe. Call someone up that hasn't been out to a dinner with some friends. Call someone up who hasn't been up for a coffee with anyone. Call them up. Let them know. Because our, what we would really love as pastors of this church is to just eliminate the fringe altogether. That there would be no one on the fringes. That there would be no one who's left on the outer. That there would be no one who's left on the outside looking in when they can see that the people of God are having a good time in the house. Amen? So when you see that, jump at it. Jump at it. Because you know what it's like. I know what it's like. I hated that feeling. And I know it, 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 like it, 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 it hurt me, I'm not talking about here, but it hurt me in, in other places where I would have walked in and I, I, I got a hello and that was about it. And then you can walk in and walk out and no one would know your name anyway. I know what that's like. So do the best to make sure that that doesn't happen here. Amen. And that's not a responsibility on the church leaders, the church pastors. That's a responsibility on all of us together as a family. Amen. Amen. That's good. So, with what Pastor Jamie talked about last week about belonging, 
I was talking about our rights, our rights in the kingdom. And what I'm talking about today, talking about our responsibilities with one another, they're just all they are is just two sides of the same coin. Amen? So, on one hand, Jesus says that I've been given the cattle on a thousand hills, and we are one and co-heirs with Jesus, aren't we? So let's be generous. On the other side of the coin, it's on us to be generous within the church body. To the church body and to one another. Generosity. It's not hard. Sometimes it takes a little bit of effort, but it's not hard. Amen? On one end of the uh, spectrum, what Pastor Jamie was talking about last week, I've been... Can I read my own writing? I've been afforded grace by Christ. Amen? We've been afforded grace by Christ and we've been placed in the body. Therefore, it is on my part to afford Christ to or afford grace to others. That's what we're called to do within a body. Afford the grace to your brothers and sisters. Don't get frustrated. I mean it can get frustrating sometimes, but remember patience and afford the same grace that's been afforded to you, amen. God has honored and raised me up. And he's placed me in heavenly places, the word says. Then let's do our best to outdo one another in honor. Bringing each other up. Making sure that our highest regard goes to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Not just to your leaders. Not just to your, 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 your missions teams and your, your, your worship teams. And your, you know, the, all the other different teams we have here in church. No, let's honor one another. Honor the person at the door that opens it for you. Honor the person that checks you in, Mr. Day the today. Honor the people that you see throughout the life of the church, and not just the people that you get to hear from and the people that you get to see on a platform. Let's learn to honor one another as a whole. Amen? And the last one I've got here, I'm going to go to some scripture, is that discipline is actually a right of a son. Isn't that good? <laughs> if you have your Bibles, let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. We're going to read from verse 8. Uh, here you go. And from verse 8 it reads, If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. The Bible says that. Bible says that if you have not received discipline from the Father, that doesn't that means that you're actually not a son. Therefore, discipline always legitimizes your sonship. On the other hand, let's go to Galatians 6. I'm going to read verse 1 to 2. Whoa. It reads, Brothers, if anyone is caught in transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watching yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Therefore, we're also called that when we see a brother in sin, to bring them into correction. In the spirit of gentleness. The Bible says that. Christ disciplines us, and he calls us to be in discipline of one another. Chastise one another. Out of love, in the spirit of gentleness. 
That's what Christ has called us to. So all these are just, it's not an exhaustive list, but it's, it's some of the actions that we can take to make sure that we're being responsible for one another. Just like a family. That's all God's really calling us to do. And I didn't realize because there are so many different types of families in the world and therefore understandings are going to be different. But what He is calling us to in, the, in Romans chapter 12, going from verse 9 to verse 21, He's just calling us to be family. That's all He's calling us to do. Family. Do this. Honor one another. Listen to one another. Be patient with one another. Get excited when you see the fruits of the kingdom being pushed forward. It's just family. That's all it is. And as we come to a close, in talking about the connections between relationship and responsibilities, the greatest example we have of any of it can once again be found in Jesus. Jesus had a relationship with the Father. He knew who He was. He didn't need to be told. He knew who he was because he talked to the one who he was one with. He talked to the Father, I was going to say daily, but I think it was it almost never stopped. He was always in the Father's face, knowing that he belonged. And out of that relationship with the Father, he took on the responsibility of restoring our relationship with him. Isn't that a beautiful thing? It's not a responsibility that he was... Uh, he couldn't get away from In fact, he prayed that it might be taken away, but he actually chose to take the responsibility upon himself. Something he called himself to. He said, oh, okay, I'll, I'll do it because of my love for them. And that's just, that type of relationship and the responsibility that he would have upon himself to go to death for us. What an example to follow. To see our lives poured out for each other. Amen? Amen. Let's pray, church. Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your word. Thank you, Lord, that you've placed us in a body that we might be responsible to each other and for each other. Lord, we pray that we would be patient with one another. We pray that we would uplift each other, and, and honor one another, Lord. Lord, we pray that any offenses and maybe any unforgiveness that we've been holding onto in the past in our relationships here within the body of Christ, Lord, we pray that they would be let go and that you, would, and that you would bring a healing about. Father, we thank you so much for the unity in this house. Lord, we dedicate all these things, dear Father, into your hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be blessed, church.